What if you could learn how to root yourself in God's truth for your motherhood? What if you could become confident in Christ as you lived out every day of your motherhood, interacting with your kids, praying about what new stages you're coming into with different children, having a gospel perspective, not just for your own life, but even seeing how God is working in your kids' lives. So often we feel unbalanced, defeated, and exhausted because we do not have our mind anchored in what God says. We have our mind anchored in the fact that we need to know the right thing or we need to do the right thing. I want to invite you to join me in a course. It's a six-week course, and we are going to be talking about resetting your mind when your motherhood seems hard, so that in every day moving forward, you can be anchored in the one who has all the answers, and you can be confident, and you can be at rest. Come and join me. The link is down in the show notes, and I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to When God Breaks Through a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. I'm so glad you're joining me today at the kitchen table. We are starting a series here in the fall, kind of at the beginning where our kids start school. We are going to be starting a series about the basics, mainly because the Lord keeps beckoning me back for my own life to the basics. You know, in motherhood, oftentimes we surround ourselves with other moms and we read books about motherhood or we take classes or we're always on the hunt for the best advice and the best products and the most important things that we could be doing. And I really want us to sit in this time together over the next weeks and understand a couple things about God's heart, about you and me, about our motherhood, but really about our very lives, the wholeness of our lives. You see, motherhood is just one facet of your beautiful multifaceted life. It's just this one little corner might feel like a big corner. It might feel like it occupies a lot of space, but I want you to understand if I could just kind of even cry with you a moment here and go, God wants you to understand this across the wholeness of your life. Sometimes it gets displayed in motherhood because it's in motherhood that we may feel the weakest. We may feel the most needy. We may see our messes the easiest. And so the need for God, the need for the grace that Jesus offers us, the the desperation that we cry out to the Lord is highlighted in motherhood. But I would never want to portray the idea that motherhood is the end-all, be-all thing, and what being a mom is what we're called to be. You see, I want to go back to the basics in the gospel because I believe more than anything God is beckoning to me personally 
and I believe calling us to become people who really set our minds on the beauty of the gospel. And we let it just seep through every area of our lives. Motherhood being one. Work is one. Being a daughter is one. Being a friend is one. And we can take this same conversation and I could set it in any other role you play, in any other place that you engage in life, and we can have the same conversation. So while this is a podcast about motherhood and how God becomes real in motherhood, I want to spend the next few weeks pulling apart the truths in this, that the fabric that God is weaving over you is not a fabric of motherhood, but a fabric of life and walking with him across all of it. And when we begin to make the gospel real, like really practically connected to our lives, we get peace and joy. We experience his mercy and his grace, and we find true purpose in the gospel. So over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to look at. His peace, his joy, his mercy, his grace, my purpose. And that is for motherhood, but it is for it all. You know, if if I were mentoring you and you and I were really at the table together, we would start with this story, I think. I start with it a lot. It's not a great story, but I think it summarizes a lot of how I felt in my life, period. You often hear me talk on here about being concerned about performing, measuring up, meeting a standard. So when I was a young mom, I had my first two babies back to back. They were 19 months apart. It was very busy. I was loving being a mom and yet found it incredibly hard. Probably the hardest thing I had done, harder than my career. It just was a stretch for me. And I, my husband was, Troy was uh, working a lot, a lot of hours, a lot, a lot. (laughs) Uh, He was a surgical resident. And back then, even they worked more hours than they do now. And we had just moved The timing of everything was we had moved to the town for him to start surgical residency, and three weeks later, I had given birth to Kendall, our second. And so we were newly settling in. He was newly in this career starting his residency. We were realizing the time constraints that it was going to be where he was coming home for three and four hours to sleep every few days, and I was trying to figure out life with two little ones. And I don't know if, if you've had your, you know, had two little ones. Um, it's just a lot for your hands. <laughs> so we were in that stage. And Kendall was about eight to 10 weeks old. And I was finally beginning to say, okay, I can, I can do this. I can, I can, I think I can get these two kids to church. And that was my challenge to myself. Troy wasn't often able to go to church with me. And so we had been once or so after Kendall had been born. And I really wanted to go to church. And I really, honestly, I think I had cabin fever. I just wanted to get out of the house too. And, uh, you know, you go to church and my two-year-old could go in the nursery. And he was a live wire. And that sounded great to me too. And 
just a, just an hour just to sit. So I did what you do, right? You uh, begin to get ready in the morning. You kind of think through how you're going to get everybody fed and dressed and get yourself dressed and out the door. And I did it, loaded everybody in the car, got to church, had done the full nursing right before we had gone so that Kendall would be having a full tank to get through the hour service. I tucked my rambunctious two-year-old into the nursery for two-year-olds and walked with my car seat carrier into the back of the church and slid into the very back row of a church we had only been to once or twice, but I liked it and I wanted to go. And so I sit, slide into this back seat and put my car seat carrier right in front of my legs on the floor in the aisle. And there was this man sitting next to me with his wife and Kendall was this beautiful chunky little fat baby and she was very beautiful looking and of course what did he do he leaned forward and started making you know smiley eyes at her and going hey and what you do with the baby and Kendall obliged him with this beautiful big grin and he kind of chuckled to himself until the next second when Kendall, in her grinning face, just projectile vomits all over this man in this nice blue suit, all over his legs, all over his shoes, because somehow, because she was turned to him and the way that she could do it, it was disgusting and embarrassing. And I was in horror in that moment. I didn't know this man. Now he's covered in my child's kind of curdly, gross stuff. And I'm quickly rummaging through her, her diaper bag, frantically trying to find the burp cloth and, and, and everything that I would need to mop him up. And to my horror, I realized that I had failed to pack her diaper bag that morning. I had packed the one for Noah. And his was safely tucked into his nursery with him. And Kendall's was empty of anything, of any substance. I didn't even have an extra change of clothes that I could have pretended was a burp cloth and wiped the man's suit leg up with. And he, I just, you know, the choir singing and I'm horrified. And, and his wife was so kind. And she got up with me and kind of helped <laughs> bustle me off. And he's saying, it's okay. I completely understand And she helps me find the baby nursing area and rummage through cabinets and find burp cloths that had maybe been abandoned and washed. I don't know. And we even found a change of clothes for Kendall because she stunk horribly. And she helps me get resettled and helps me get back into church. And it was horrifying. And I was so ill-equipped that day. And I... Never would have dreamed that I would have had a child who would have done this. And, but I also was just, it was just a place where the enemy began to bang into my head as I sat in that service even of how could you not pack that diaper bag? This is so embarrassing. Think of what you look like. Like you didn't have anything for this child. You don't even know these people. What are you doing here? Why did you even come? You should have stayed home. You should have not attempted this without your husband. 
You should have, you should have. How could you, how could you? And the drumbeat began to bang. And I gathered up after that service and got us home and got everyone tucked into naps and just kind of sat there. Have you ever felt ill-equipped? Like you're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing, messing it up, and maybe you should stop. You know, I believed it. I believed it. There were several weeks, many, that I chose not to go back to church. Because, number one, I didn't want to run into that fam- that family again. Oh, my gosh. Now, the ironic thing about that is that man became my pediatrician. And his wife became an amazing, beautiful mentor for me. But in that moment, I didn't know that. I didn't know that he was probably used to kids puking on him in his practice and didn't throw him and didn't know that they had four children of their own and didn't know that they had a love for young mamas and young marrieds. In fact, taught the young married Sunday school class. And I didn't even try and find out. Because the enemy had so captured me with the idea that I was poorly prepared. And I couldn't even give any credence to being exhausted. Couldn't even give any space to being alone and new at this. I believed the lie that I should have been prepared. That I should have been equipped. I should have predicted. I should have known. And because I didn't, I had messed up. But the truth in all of our lives, not just motherhood, although it was displayed in motherhood, the truth in all of our lives is that we'll never be prepared, that we'll never be perfectly equipped, that there will always be a surprise, there will always be something new, something different to learn, something to figure out, and something new to navigate. But the enemy comes at us with the lie that says, if you're not ready, then you have failed. But what is the truth? What does the gospel say about this? Because you see, this belief system will absolutely erode your peace. Yet God offers clearly all through scripture, part of the gospel is peace. And we talked about that last week in the podcast. That despite the chaos, Jesus offers you peace and says that his peace will guard your heart and your mind. But this concept will erode your peace. So we have to understand what does the gospel offer us here? What scriptures can we apply here to actually make the fact that we could be ill-equipped be okay? I think one thing we have to understand is we have to understand God's heartbeat. And in Ephesians 2, 7, there is a beautiful truth that gives us a picture of God's heartbeat. And honestly, there are many passages about this. In the course that I am teaching and inviting you to be a part of, which is called Resetting Your Mind When Motherhood Feels Hard, we talk about this. We talk about how the enemy wants to steal your peace and not allow peace to guard your heart. And so you need to understand God's peace, and you need to know it. And we spend an entire week pulling apart what is God's peace. 
But for today, I want you to see this one facet, this one thing, which is God's heartbeat for you. And in Ephesians 2, 7, it says this. I'm going to back up. I'm going to start with the gospel part. It says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. So that's you, your, your loss in your sin, the messed up of your moments, the sin of all of your days, past, present, future. But God, being rich in mercy, with love that he has loved you with, even when you were dead, you've done nothing well. That's what Ephesians 2, 4 is saying. Even when you're dead, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He is changing your positioning. Why? Because of grace. Because he loves you has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with being prepared, being equipped, understanding what's happening, knowing the right answers. It has nothing to do with it. It is all grace. It is all Him. So that, this is the reason why, so that in the coming ages, He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I want you to understand today that your peace guard your heart not because you're equipped and therefore you can have a peaceful day not because you have been prepared not because you've thought through all the scenarios not because you've assembled all the right things not because you've bought all the right products not because of anything you've done you have great peace because of the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards you in Christ Jesus. It is all rooted in Jesus. The gospel stands, it lives and it breathes because Jesus died for you and me. And peace is the gift that emerges the other side that guards your heart and your mind like we talked about last week. There is a garrison around your very soul that doesn't allow the assault of the enemy that I was allowing, right? In my story, in those years, it was hard for me for months to go back to church because, oh my goodness, I dreaded seeing them. How embarrassing. They knew I wasn't prepared that day until God began to intersect that and say, Bethany, I never called you to be equipped. And I promise you, my kindness is for you. What does that word kindness in Ephesians 2, 7 mean? That's the word I want us to crack open today really quickly. You see, kindness, I mean, we go, oh yeah, you can be kind. And we, I think we weaken the word somewhat when we, because we talk about it with our kids, be kind, be kind. But this Greek word for kindness in this verse means because remember it says, he will show the immeasurable riches of his, of his grace in kindness. So he's going to show the immeasurable riches of his grace. His grace is his giving you relationship, the immeasurableness of it, the depth of it is beyond anything you can measure in kindness. What is that kindness? In Greek, that word kindness is meeting real needs in God's way in his timing. That's what that means. He's going to, in kindness means he's, I am, my heartbeat is to meet your very real needs in 
my timing and my way. When that, in that story, what happened to me, one of the immeasurable, unfathomable grace moments, the kindness that he did was I got to meet that woman. She became a Bible study teacher for me for years, walked deeply with me in truth. And she taught me though, in that moment, she never, you know, she, all she probably kept saying to me over and over was like, it's so okay. All of us have forgotten things, blessing me over and over. I think she filled my diaper bag, honestly, with things that day. But the, the real need I needed was even more than somebody helping me clean up my baby and get me some new baby clothes that day so I could stay at church. I needed the depth of friendship and the depth of mentorship that she offered me. And that was God's timing. So I had a moment where my daughter spit all over in order to open a door for me to know somebody who would deepen my faith walk and allow me to begin to stand confidently as a young woman trying to understand who God is and how the Bible and how the gospel relates to me. Our inadequacies in motherhood, because that's where they're highlighted for most of us in this stage of life we're in, are met with a kindness without measure intended to settle our heart and to comfort our soul. I love, Dana Ortland wrote a book called Gentle and Lowly. If you have one book you should read in the next two months, you should read that book as we're going over the basics of the gospel. Go get the book, read the book. But he has this quote in it. He says, our failures can never outstrip his grace. That is peace garrisoning around your heart, is the understanding that our failures will never outstrip his grace. But what have you been believing about those places of inadequacy? What have you been believing about God's response in those places? You know, there was a part of me where I have to fight a fight where I naturally in my flesh, and then I believe the lie from the enemy, that my performance matters. And so therefore I layer onto God a response that says, Bethany, your, your performance matters. But that is not the truth in God's word. But that's what I will believe about God's response. So when we stop for a little bit and we go, what have I been believing about God's response in my places of inadequacy? And what is the truth instead? That my inadequacy is met with a kindness beyond measure where God says, I'm committed to meeting your very real need my way. Where our failure does not outstrip his grace. Do you know that he desires to meet your real needs? Whether it's in motherhood as highlighted today, or like I started this this podcast out with, every part of your life. You may have different parts of your life where you're hiding your very real need for God, where you're not letting God in, where you believe you got to clean it up first. You got to make it right. You got to fix it. You got to get better prepared and better equipped. Yet he desires 
with immeasurable riches of grace and kindness towards you in Christ Jesus to meet your very real needs. So I encourage you as we begin these basics, goodness, we've got to get this foundation right. We've got to have it layered right so that it's plumb, so that we're not building upon crookedness and and we're actually building on the truth of the gospel in our lives. Your God meets your very real needs with his grace. As we work through these concepts, I want you to know that it, it will take time. And slow progress is good progress. Both here and if you join us in this course, I promise it will radically change who you are. Not just in your motherhood, but in your life. And you will begin to see your world through the lens of the gospel the lens of God's grace because he sent Jesus for you because he knew that all you could offer him was your sin and he said, I offer you everything. I invite you to step into this with me. Walk with me in this course. Walk with me with Jesus and begin to learn to grow and understand that he, he offers you a kindness that you have never experienced before. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, When we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.